Hey everybody and welcome back to Pixels Podcast, a podcast about all the nerdy things we love and enjoy. As always, we're your hosts. I'm Will. That's Blake. And today we're talking our bread and butter. A little Critical Role episode 75. Crazy that we're three quarters of the way to 100 already. Like, and possibly over halfway through with the campaign. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, definitely. I would, I would venture to guess... Um, I mean, who, who knows what could happen, but yeah, I would say probably in the, in the second half for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Things are getting spicy. Um, things are heating up would be a Ooh, little better nice. given the events of this episode. Maybe a nice little reference to the early parts of the campaign. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. That was clearly this episode. So, <laughs> I was if you're watching this first, if you're watching this for the first time, you can expect this awkwardness to only get worse as That's we right. get deeper in this conversation. <laughs> and uh, yeah, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, welcome to our little our little chat area about the episode. Um, we do cover a lot of nerdy stuff like Critical Role. Uh, we do have a Discord, by the way. I'm mentioning this because there has been some chatter on the Critical Role uh, Reddit subreddit about you know people get a little catty in the twitch chat you know people being a little toxic on the uh subreddit and if you want a positive place to talk about all things critical role dnd whatever you know the case may be you can join our discord we do have a watch party on every thursday with the uh, critical role episode and everybody's welcome to that whether you're a new critter or an old school critter uh, and then we also just finished our well somewhat finished our rewatch of Calamity this past Sunday, and I think we're doing the campaign or the the one, one shot, four shot um, wrap up this Sunday. Yes, right? we wanted to we wanted to keep the party going. So uh, this Sunday we're going to be yeah. watching the campaign wrap up together, and uh, j- yeah, we'll be talking about it this Sunday probably, but also just in general in the Discord about what our next watch party should be because it was so much fun. Um, I know a lot of people are wanting to keep the ball rolling as well. So uh, if you got any ideas or if you just we want to participate, out, you know. Yeah, and we were throwing out some really fun uh, ideas for one shots to watch in the Discord. Uh, a lot yeah. of people sometimes miss one shots just because it's a lot of times they're on an off week or they maybe they got. I know for me, I got into critical role later, so I missed a lot of one shots. Uh, but could be a great opportunity to see some of those one shots you might have missed. Yeah, I think that would be really fun. So, yeah, come come into the fold. Come join us over on Discord. Um, always a lot going on. And, yeah, to kind of sort of segue with what you said there, um, the Reddit, the subreddit, man. I don't often go there. and But recently I, I went because somebody in our Discord even pointed out that people were looking for a place to come talk about it. Um, so I went in there to plug the Discord it's just so much negativity, man. And like, I don't, <clears throat> that's also just Reddit though. Yeah, that's, that's true. And so it's probably not worth really getting, getting into about it, but ugh, I just, wow. some people, man. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, I digress. Yeah. Um, Anything other, else? other announcements, um, <clears throat> worlds beyond number coming back soon. Not quite Very back soon. yet. Yeah. Um, I did see today. I haven't listened to it yet. Um, and I don't, this might be Patreon only, so forgive me if it is, and I'm, you know, if anyone's excited for it and they're not a patron, whoops. Um, but I did notice they announced today, they released a, a fireside chat, if you will, 
um, that is all about Taylor and like how he produces the music and makes the episodes. Um, so I'm pretty excited to check that out. Um, but also right before that, I think last week they released a public. So everyone, even if you're not a patron, um, episode where they talk about the entire first arc, the whole cast. So kind of like a, fi- yeah. a fireside chat for everything. Um, but yeah, that comes back soon. Super excited to get back into yeah, that. Yeah, and and if you guys don't, just in case you don't know what we're talking about, Worlds Beyond Number is, uh, well, more specifically, The Wizard, The Witch, and The Wild One is an audio-only adventure, D&D adventure, um, with um, basically a few of the cast members from Dimension 20. Uh, but speaking of our Calamity Rewatch, if you really enjoyed uh, Brennan or Abria or Lou or Erica Ishii, um, they are all the cast of this um, audio adventure. And it's just a very well done uh, D&D adventure. And the episodes are very palatable. They're about an hour, maybe a little bit over an hour each. So yeah. uh, it's not too late to catch up. And we did just finish the first season, first arc. Um, so perfect time to catch up. Yeah. And listen. All you critical role people that are watching this right now, why are you not watching that? Listening, rather. It's it's so good. You will not regret it. Very and good. it'll give us another thing as a community to nerd out over. So you should you should definitely be checking it out. Yeah. Um, and finally, one other thing is Loki. Season two has started. Um yep. <clears throat> it's what the Pixels podcast started with. It was our first mm-hmm. ever discussion, was on Loki season one. So Blake and I are really excited and enjoying season two so far. Um, episode two just aired this past week. We haven't talked about it yet, but that'll probably be the next thing that comes out from us after this. Um, so yeah, for those of you that are watching that hop on over and, uh, join us for that journey. Um, I'm excited to talk to you about episode two, by the way. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, anything else? I think we're ready to rock. Alrighty. Um, well for, (laughs) I'm getting ahead of myself here. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll spare everybody. Um, for anybody that's new here, what we like to do is recap the episodes before diving in proper. Um, and we'll cut that out and host it separately on YouTube for your viewing convenience. So if you happen to find yourself just on the recap, but you want to hear our full thoughts and discussion, we will be linking that in the description box below. Um, but without further ado, let's dive into uh, Critical Role episode 75 and I wrote the title down and I can't. An Ancient Flame. Thank you, my friend. Um, but I believe you are the first half. Well, I was actually time. wondering if you were going to just keep going. That's, and I was that's like, why oh, I started laughing oh. before I launched into it. Because I was like, <laughs> he's probably going to think <laughs> that I think I'm first half. Anyway. No, yeah. So um, we have a great process for this. Um, so, yeah, picking up on this episode, episode 75, An Ancient Flame. Previous episode, they went to Yvonne Trevere, the Tree of Atrophy, got some really cool lore bits, and then Yvonne Trevere realized an invisible arcane scrying orb that was spying on them and quickly shuttered them off to basically this fiery mountain to retrieve the shard of Raushan, uh, one of the titans, uh, the Emperor of, or excuse me, Empress of Fire? No, Emperor, Emperor of Fire, Empress of Fire? Raushan is one and Kamort's the other one, but I'm not, I can't remember I all the I think Fire's impressed, but I'm, now I'm confused, right. so I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, it's Raushan's fragment, though. Right, right. Um, and they find themselves on one of the islands in the Shattered Teeth on essentially this uh, snowy mountaintop with a cave in the distance. 
they make their way to the cave. The snow is kind of melted in the cavern entrance, and they realize this is probably where we're going to get this shard. Now, going deeper into the cavern, they do find, essentially, it's it's like going caving. They find a tunnel that seems to be, like, collapsed, not by, like, an earthquake, but for some reason, there's a collapsed tunnel. And they decide, you know what, if we can just barely wiggle our way through, we can maybe get to the bottom of wherever this goes. Now, as they do go in, they do find what seems to be, like, a rock that's blocking the passage. Uh, Orem kind of like wiggles with it and messes with it and realizes it is the charred skull of an orc who seemingly was traveling back up through the cave and got <laughs> dislodged and met a very grim end. Um, they travel farther through. Um, they get to a point where the party actually splits up. Um, Imogen, uh, Orem, and FCG decide to go ahead and sort of track on first. Um, Matt asks each player, are you going head first or feet first? <laughs> Which is, I don't know why it's such a tense question. <laughs> and remember, FCG is a robot. So FCG's like, uh, yeah, I'll go feet first. And um, they all have to have to do uh basically checks to see how well they can navigate through. Um, Imogen actually gets her ankle caught in a rock. Um, she tries to shock and grasp to break it free isn't able to do it. And then I think maybe Laudna like climbed up and like helped knock it free or um, I honestly don't quite remember, but ultimately she's able to get it free. And the party basically this front half, basically the tunnel opens up into this cavern with bones, uh, uh, armor, gold, um, all these random things. And there's just a layer of char on everything. And they're kind of looking around like, okay, it seems like a dead end. And then they start to notice that the floor is like this igneous rock. It's like this certain kind of, of stone, or maybe he described it as porous, I don't remember, but um, a certain kind of stone that's different from the walls. And they realize that the ground is basically a ground that has developed over time from something very hot underneath. Like all the, the ash and char have kind of created this layer that they now stand on. So they decide, you know what, what should we do? Let's just, you know, dig a hole and see what's below <laughs> us. But there's a conversation on like, well, if we dig a hole, is there going to be like an eruption of lava that's going to kill all of us? Cause they can't easily get out. Um, I will say it's around this time, the back half party, uh, they wiggle their way through, not without Ladna also getting stuck herself. Uh, Fern is going to turn into, I think a bat, um, while they are in this cavern and they ultimately do break open this hole to reveal, uh, another cavern beneath the one that they're in now that has a big pool of lava in it. Also, they note these little, Matt describes them as like Jack Skellington elves that are made of like stone and have like fiery eyes. They're like two feet tall, and there's about a dozen of them in this cavern kind of peeking up, seeing what they're doing. Uh, they travel down into this cavern and basically begin to talk to these creatures. I think it's FCG cast tongues on uh, maybe Fern. I can't remember. Um, they realize that the, these creatures, which they call Doompa Loompas, um, <laughs> these creatures don't speak primordial. Uh, and in fact, they don't have a language that anyone in the party understands. Matt actually mentions the language later in the episode. I don't know if you remember what it was. Uh, I he don't. asked if someone know this language, but no one I did. Down. 
Um, but they come to find out that these are very cute um, creatures that, as they're having the conversation, they're literally seeing like plumes of fire come up from the lava pool near them. And the plume of lava basically shaping into a new creature and like being born while other ones are like falling over dead. And they surmise that these creatures have very short lifespans. Uh, and in fact, they begin speaking to the self-proclaimed uh, elder who became the elder right after they just watched the elder basically burn out. <laughs> um, and they're very cute. They're harmless. They're kind of like, you know, this is, this is where we are. And they do ask questions like, has anyone been here before? And they say something like, you know, I think someone has come before. Um, but they eventually ask about Raushan. They're like, do you know Raushan? And they're like, yes, the creator. And they motion over to this like lava pool around them. So they're pretty clear that the shard they're looking for is in this pool. And in typical like peak D&D fashion, um, I don't know what Matt envisioned them to do, <laughs> but Ashton's like, yeah, I'm going to jump in there. I'm just going to jump in, dive down, go get that shard. Um, and they're kind of like, is this the right idea? And pretty much the party as a whole, they know resurrection is not possible, but they're all like, see you later, Ashton. I think Laudan is like, hey, you're probably dead. It's been nice knowing you. Like, see you later. Um, Imogen does cast fly on him so that he can make it to the center of the pool more easily. And he just dunks down into the lava pool, uh, immediately taking 8d6 or 8d10. I think it's 8d10, yeah. Of fire damage. I can't see anything. Um, note also, functionally, his clothes are all melting off. Um, and uh, they go to the bottom of the lava pool where they find this large shard, does a strength check is unsuccessful, can't get the shard free, takes another round of fire damage. Fern then is going to basically go and jump in to try to help, also takes fire damage, um, and basically uses her Stonky's Ring, a throwback to EXU Season 1, which clutch, I love those man. little details, uh, to basically like loosen it enough for Ashton to finally, I think it was like a 25, uh, get it free, uh, and holds it up above the pool in like a very like Terminator, like I got it type style. They get out of the pool and, um, yeah, I mean, oddly enough, uh, Ashton was like, I don't need healing. I'm fine. Uh, even though FCG is like, you seem pretty hurt. Um, <laughs> but they look over this shard and actually Ashton's holding it. And the whole time he's holding it, it's burning his hands, um, every round taking more fire damage. And they decide, you know, is it breakable? Like, should we, what should we do with it? Uh, hands it over to Fern. Like maybe Fern should hold it. It burns Fern's hands. Fern's like, uh, maybe not. Gives it back to Ashton. And then Ashton holds it to their chest and actually gets um, uh, like a, a vision in their mind that essentially, um, we'll talk about it more in the episode, but kind of gives like an image of the last moments of Raushan before yeah. being basically disassembled by Laren, um, a calamity mention, uh, by the way. And ultimately decides, you know what? I don't, I don't think this is for me, but it is for me. I'm, I'm honestly not sure. Um, around this time, Matt describes five figures seemingly like teleporting, like dropping in on the opposite side of the pool. Um, it is um, some Ruby Vanguard, I think a couple of Ray Lawrence, including one that Matt describes as a juggernaut, uh, and seemingly Ludinus Deleth. Uh, Imogen immediately is going to do telekinesis to whip up some lava, splash it in their face, and we go to break as combat begins. So 
Yikes. You want to take it from there? Yes, sir. And uh, I did look it up um, while you were going there. Raushan is the emperor. Kamort is the empress. Um, Thank you. So, yeah. Okay. So <clears throat> we pick up from break with combat basically starting. So they, they quickly resolve this telekinetic uh, lava shove that uh, Imogen does. And we roll initiative. Um, the party does notice, though, uh, there is a white gem in Ludness's forehead that they have not seen before. Um, so as always with combat, just going to try to hit the highlights here. Um, things kick off with Imogen using telekinesis to grab uh, the smaller Ray Lauren with telekinesis and just shoves them underneath the lava. Such a cool move. Um, Orem actually runs up and just slashes this same one uh, and kills it. Like this is one of the first things that happens. They just take that guy completely off the board. Um, Ludinus actually telekinetically grabs Fern in the same way and starts like pulling her toward him. Uh, so she is like hovering over the lava as this happens. The, uh, the juggernaut Ray Laura kind of rushes in and, uh, is engaging with Orem. Meanwhile, Chet runs over and grabs the shard from Ashton and places it inside the bag of holding before going invisible. The party is kind of just unsure what to do during this whole thing. FCG is like, we need to get out of here. Um, and again, FCG is the one that has the staff right now. Right. So FCG is kind of the one that would be in charge of getting them out of there with teleport. Um, so they're trying to do that, but everyone is kind of split up right now. And, you know, the least of which is Fern, who is currently, you know, held by Ludinus. So there's kind of some chaos of over like what exactly they should be doing, but combat continues. Um, Fern still held can cast spells. Uh, so she casts a wall of stone around Ludinus to block his line of sight in an attempt that maybe that would make him have to drop the telekinesis. Um, but it does not, it still holds. Um, so the rest of the crew basically is just dealing damage to the, the juggernaut Ray Laura and just doing what they can. Um, when it get back, when it gets back to Orem's turn, he runs up and does some pushing attacks on the juggernaut to push them back toward the lava, uh, and successfully does so. Uh, but then he action surges to get all of his attacks back again and does it again to like fully submerge them in the lava and between that and the six different attacks, uh, Orem gets the, how do you want to do this on this huge guy? Um, <clears throat> really awesome moment. Uh, so on Ludinus's next turn, he uh, basically says that like, how rude of you all to not like talk with me. Like we just came to talk, but you know, since that's not how things are going, uh, you know, implying he's going to have to do something else now. So he uses quicken spell to cast dimension door and is like, let's go just you and I talk somewhere else, like referring to Fern. And he begins pulling her <clears throat> towards this dimension door. So everyone starts to freak out because they're like, oh, we cannot let him get out of here with Fern. So they're all trying to do whatever they can to stop this. And for most of them, that's just dealing damage to him and hoping that they can break his concentration. Um, <clears throat> Fern casts Wall of Fire to do this, but Ludinus counterspells it with the nat 20. Uh, so it fizzles out. Uh, Ladna summons her Hound of Ill Omen again to attack. Um, it does, and it actually does knock Ludinus prone, but he maintains mm -hmm. concentration. And one of the other bad guy guards, not the Ray Lauren, comes over and actually kills the Hound and, you know, protects Ludinus. Um, so combat continues. Ashton's hitting Ludinus. Everyone's hitting him, but he's maintaining concentration until finally Imogen lightning bolts 
uh, and kills this guard that just ran over to help him and also makes Ludinus drop his concentration. So at this point, <clears throat> Ludinus says, you know, it's a shame, but a lesson can still be learned here. And he begins to cast a ninth level spell. Um, Marisha goes to counterspell it, but it's ninth level. So we're told she will need, um, I think it's a 19, which means she'll need a 14 or higher on the dice to be successful. And she rolls a 14 exactly. So Ludinus then goes to counterspell her counterspell. And Matt uh, is ruling it that um, it's got to be a DC 13. Uh, and he only hits a 12, so he fails to counterspell the counterspell. So then Ludinus says, you know, well, at the very least, I have more information. And then he just walks into the lava pool and, like, kind of belly, belly flops into it um, and just kind of disintegrates into snow, as Matt describes it. Um, Fern quickly, like, digs through his, like, lava melty form to grab um, the opal that was in his forehead. And they also grab his robes, which seem to not burn. Um, combat is over at this point. Every, all the other little minions had been taken care of. Um, so they loot everybody. I think they get, like, 300-something gold, a couple of random weapons. Um, and they're like, okay what do we do now? And they ultimately decide, well, we're obviously got to get out of here. And our best pet is probably to go to Whitestone to meet up with Imahara Joe and hopefully check in with uh, Kimothy Chalamet. Um, so they gather up <clears throat> FCG teleports them. Oh, and one thing I forgot to mention was uh Ludinus clocks the fact that FCG has his staff during the combat. He's like, Oh, you guys have been right. crying. Um, and were you going to add something as well? a detail that I forgot um, they're going back to Whitestone because Matt helps them as they were looking at the shard previously, they remembered they had the vest that seemingly right. was able to consume an item. Right. Um, so yeah. So they are going to Whitestone to get Imahara Joe, who has been working on that harness um, to hopefully right. utilize for this shard. So they gather up FCG teleports them. And Matt says, we will resolve the teleport, you know, with the, the solstice funkiness going on if hopefully everything goes all right but all that will be resolved in the next episode so that is where this one ends once again episode 75 of critical role campaign three an ancient flame and of course if you want to hear our full discussion and you are just on our recap video it will be linked down below all right Great job my, friend. my friends yeah you too Oh, the the adventure and the shattered teeth comes to an end. Yeah, yeah, Sag. yeah. I as hope... far as we know, as true, far as we know, true. I guess the teleport could go mad wrong, but most <laughs> likely later over. we have to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um. All right. So where to where to start today? I feel. I mean, that's a good question. Um. The first half for me was just, I don't know if like, I, I wouldn't call myself like a claustrophobic person. Maybe I am. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I was feeling like the ick, like as, yeah. as that was happening, <laughs> just imagining them all like yeah. trapped in that tiny, uh, <clears throat> tiny cavern. Like uh, I mentioned this during the, the discord. I don't know if anybody, I don't remember if anyone knew what I was talking about, but I don't know if, if you will know what I'm talking about. There was like, a creepy pasta, I guess, is the right word for it, but I think it was even before that was like a coined term, just like early internet days, where there was like this story of uh this caver guy. Is this is this pinging any bells for you? 
<clears throat> I know a popular story about a caving guy, but I don't know what you're about to say. Well, so like, so I've read one that's like, there's like a true story that I'm familiar with where like a guy gets stuck and like he just dies because there's nothing they can yeah. do about it. So right, there's they that. Know, yeah, that's the story that I know of. Okay. <clears throat> so, I mean, which is awful and it's worse yeah. than this other one because this other one's not real, at least I hope. But I just remember in like the early days of the internet reading like this like terrifying story about this guy in a cave. And so just both of those things were like also influencing as I was like imagining all this and was not fun. But I thought it was a really cool like tonal like kind of mm-hmm. <clears throat> placemat for like what was happening and getting down to that cavern it was really cool like just setting material i don't know uh but what yeah. did you think of like i don't know are you claustrophobic I, yeah, or was it messing it, it with reminded you me of go, going caving as a kid at like some random thing i don't know how i got roped into this but we had a guy who got stuck what? like a, a bigger guy who got stuck Oh my and, god! Dude. I mean, like, because like when you go caving, like it's literally this episode. Like you are, it's not a tunnel. You're not like walking down. Like here's the path. Like right. it's like you're finding. Like oh, it, here's the way through, and like you're squeezing through. And um, yeah, there was a guy who got stuck. He eventually got out. Um, like we got him out by like really like pushing on this guy. But mm. um, it reminded me of those those um that experience. And then also, uh, I guess when Imogen got her ankle stuck, the other thing that's terrifying about that kind of stuff is when you get, you get stuck, but you don't have the range of motion. Like you're not yeah. like walking and your ankle stuck and you can just bend down. Like your body is contorted or twisted or like around a rock and you feel something stuck and you can't quite like, that's really the terrifying yeah, part of it. You can't do anything sure. about it. Um, Why and, do people you know, do that, man? I know, <laughs> man. People are insane. <laughs> These adrenaline junkies blow yeah, my like, mind. So <laughs> go skydiving or something like, ugh. or, or, you know, Hey fam, you guys listening, this is you, you know, or just do nothing, you know, sit at home. No shame in that. You know, <laughs> don't let anybody judge you for being a homebody. You know, that's right. <laughs> you know, what'd you do on Friday night? I watched TV for three hours. <laughs> I feel like this is like a Tim Robinson skit or something. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, man, that was, I know a lot of people were feeling the same way, but it was just like, Um, I personally am kind of a junkie for like, you mentioned the ick, like the atmospheric, just unsettling DMing where you're just like, uh, Oh, I don't know. I don't know. It just makes it, it just makes it more, um, I say palatable. That's not the right word. It's, it's, I know what you're talking about though. Yeah. There's something about it. That's like, very like you could put yourself there i mean it's, i guess it's just good storytelling honestly yeah um, which i thought i thought it was a cool encounter that was not like an encounter you know yes like it yes. was just a cool like that could have easily been like okay yeah you gotta you know it could have just been a, a one sentence yeah you you travel down you, to the heart of the right. chamber you know right but instead it was right. just like really cool like yeah segment um, yeah that also a little bit kind of chewed up some player resources like in terms of like being an encounter True. you know like their few spells were True. cast and uh so yeah i think matt a, even was like yeah he was like yeah burn your spells sure <laughs> it's great for me yeah so like so, yeah for yeah. you dms out there sometimes especially with you know uh, seven pcs that are starting to get higher level you have to get more creative with your encounters unless you're going to throw like 500 enemies at them you know so i just thought yeah. this was kind of a cool creative way to kind of milk you know, some and, of those resources 
And that is a really interesting insight. I would say that's something that I'm not great at only because like you don't want to force them to use resources, right. but you also, it's like you said, like you don't want players to hoard their resources to where, you know, okay, you have 12 spell slots. <laughs> Here's an encounter and another guy shows up, you know, it's, <laughs> I yeah. think you make a really great point about DMing uh, according to player resources. I personally, I don't think I have the experience for that, but I don't either. Yeah. But yeah. Um, and then kind of to, to offset that, like ick, as we've been calling it, I loved the little gremlin guys. <laughs> Those guys were great. I loved, you know, it's just another feather in my hat for all the, are the players evil because they had they had the question of of you know, like uh, if we take this shard is this gonna and they all died after they took the shard. Well, so, I mean they had to take the shard. There's did they did they will? There's more important huh? things happening. Oh oh okay. I'm not surprised to hear but, you say that. But that that was sad. They were, you know, they, I, they stomped out an entire ecosystem that localized to the cave. But they did still. They did. I mean those. They were pretty smart, like like all things considered for how short their lifespans were, like very intelligent, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I am curious how long their lifespans are, though. I mean, they seem pretty short. Yeah. Um, But we do know at least through the tales passed down, and I, I don't know if, I don't remember exactly how it was phrased, but when they're asking, like, have you seen people before? They mentioned mm -hmm. the previous elder had, I think. Right. Right. So I don't know yeah. if that means the previous elder, maybe like, were they the ones that had that literal firsthand experience or had it been passed down? Um, because mm -hmm. if it's the former, then it couldn't have been that long ago that they saw somebody, you know? And if so, yeah, I'm just who was down there? Yeah, let's see here. Let me see if I can, if they have it on crit roll stats, what was exactly asked? I was, um, um I was very was curious about that. There was a conversation about the magma will go boom, mm -hmm. um, which maybe that was what Matt kind of intended them to play around with. Um, others have come angering the spark, which then led to the boom. Mm. So I'm very curious. Yeah. Curious what that is. I wonder. Yeah. Because it seems like, okay. And not that there's not that this is worth going too far deep on because it's, probably not important um and it may not even be the case but if somebody was there recent enough for that elder that died to have seen them it's presumably wasn't ludinus because from the way things played out here it seems like ludinus only figured out about all this stuff because of bell's hells and the fact that right. they're scrying on them so who was here maybe it's just a cool little like you know not yeah just a cool little detail that's not really intense world building to like be I think pride. I think there are I think their lives are longer than we're thinking it is I think I think we're hyper focused on the shortness because Sam made a joke about maybe they're like flies like they die in like yeah. you know a day or two but just like thinking about the formation of like that soot layer that made like kind of the, the fake ground above them mm -hmm. like it had to have been long enough ago where you know they would have been able to see the gremlins or see each other true um so, I mean, I'm not saying their lifespan's 10 years, but yeah, um, it just, yeah, you know. but you do wonder who did come and what, to what purpose, <clears throat> maybe the people who owned the brass ring that they found. Yeah. So I was going to say the, uh, the half orc that had mm -hmm. the ring. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, that, that was my best guess as well. Um, 
It was. <clears throat> now, you mentioned, like, you wonder what Matt's original idea was for how they might get that thing and the fact that it went boom when it, like, got angry, kind of, was the yeah. implication. I, too, was wondering that because we did see that, like, it calmed down when Ashton got close to it. Yeah. So I wonder I, if, like, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was just, I wonder, like, <clears throat> I, I don't think Matt, with as with most puzzle encounters there it's best not to have like a one way you envision for it to be solved because your players probably aren't gonna you know everyone's different they're the whole point is to have like fun creative solutions right but i am curious like <laughs> if matt just envisioned them diving straight in and going for it or like what they might do um, i think i think every good dm wants to give players enough breadcrumbs to make an an educated guess on like maybe the path of least resistance. And then you also like, you have like some backup plans for like what they might do instead. So I think Matt probably had this as like option D, like maybe they're just <laughs> going to jump in, you know? Yeah. I mean, he had, he had the fire damage on hand. So, um, yeah, I'm very curious what he intended. not the right word, but what he thought might happen. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> you know, maybe he'll table that for a future session. Yeah. Which, again, not that I want to spend time on this, but like I mentioned earlier, when I dove into the dredges of Reddit, so much complaining, so much negativity, uh, a lot of it, which I didn't stay there long, but a lot of it was about like how Matt put on the kitty gloves with the llama damage. Like it should have been so much more damage that they took. And I it's just stuff like that. It's just like, okay, why does that even bother you? And First of all, just because, and I don't even know rules is written, like what is, what necessarily is the case. Like he, Matt maybe wasn't even doing anything off rules, but clearly some people thought he was. Um, but just to combat those people that definitely aren't even listening right now, that that's just like, why let that get to you? This is their story that they're telling. And on top of that, there even was the explicit mention of the, like the, the bubbling and stuff calming down in the presence of Ashton. So if you need some reason why maybe there was less damage, there you go. You know, I mean, let me let me look up um, character sheet real quick. Uh, let's see here, Ashton. I mean, Ashton has 120 health. So I mean, every tech is doing uh, basically a fourth of his life, yep. uh, which fortunately was reduced a little bit. So I mean, it's not like he wasn't doing damage, it, right? the guy had at most four rounds before he was dead, you know? So like, yeah, but like getting on your point and I don't know if we want to, we probably don't want to segue to this yet, but I did see some chatter about Matt making a, making a mistake on um, the counterspell rules yeah. where um, Laudan counterspell that role was correct, but uh, lewdness reaction counterspell should not have been a role. It should have just worked yeah, uh, because it was on a third level spell. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Matt had them roll and there was, I, I did see some hubbub about that. And, you know, I, I think, I think this is interesting because I think just to kind of echo what you said, I'm trying to say this like as objective as possible <laughs> without sounding silly. Um, it's not unlike the end of calamity episode four, where Brennan made a decision on how Sarah would be able to, I think he, he was given a second reaction. Yeah to um attack uh vespin mm-hmm. um sorry these are all spoiler i guess that's the, the biggest spoiler i'll say 
and it 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 affected the outcome of what was happening right mm-hmm. and so people really lo- rules lord that and that shouldn't be right and like you guys have to remember at the end of the day it is only solely about the player's enjoyment and as the dm you can literally do whatever you want and it's no yeah. one's business and and i think just to echo you man if this bothered you and you made a thread on reddit about it it, it is kind of like why it's like <laughs> why do you care how much fire damage it did? Yeah. Like what's up with the criticism? Like what's up with the, well, why did Matt do it that way? It could, it could Matt have made a mistake. Sure. Did Matt just want to do it that way? Possibly. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. Neither one matters. Right. You know, it's, it's so interesting. I think you said it so well. It's like, why, like, why are you doing this? But it's like, know, why man. are you watching the show? Like, because it's yeah, not about it's like weird. the pristine presentation of these rules. Like, that's not what it's about. You know, like it's not. And doesn't the first chapter or like the first intro of the PHB, doesn't it say like these are a guideline or something yep. or like like and you can know like anytime my players play with me, I am going to flex and homebrew stuff constantly because I'm always thinking about what's going to create the funnest experience for a player. And so if one of my players um, is like, you know, they it's a counterspell versus a counterspell, and I see their face is lit up and excited and they're so energized, you better believe I'm going to put that to a roll to make this <laughs> epic moment. And I'm going to do it in front of the board, which yeah. Matt did, by the way. He did it in front of the board. I'm going to do it in front of the board to create this epic moment that they can all be enjoying together rather than uh, you. Sorry. Yeah, he actually would have just counter. Anyway, so what are you guys doing next? <laughs> and it's like flat, you know, so. Yeah. It's weird, man. It's weird how people get so. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Express. Yeah, express I don't it, either. I'm on a soapbox, but hey, you know. I'm I preach. You know, I don't get it. Um, I, I just don't understand why those types of people watch the show. You know, like if you're gonna like nitpick something so obtuse like that. But like you just said, like whether whether Matt in the moment forgot how the rules worked or he did it intentionally speaking to the counterspell, I think is irrelevant, but either way it made for the coolest moment of the whole episode that like, that's what in an, in an episode where we have people dive into lava and like heroically rescue this like monumentally important artifact. That wasn't even the coolest or like most moment people remember from this episode. It'll be the counterspell that somehow worked with the perfect role. And then that succeeded on not getting counterspelled with another perfect role. So like, that was like such an awesome moment. And, and not a counterspell on like, you know, scorching Ray, a counterspell on a ninth level. (laughs) Like as soon as the mention of ninth level spell happened, I was like, uh, you know? And so, I mean, yeah, you're right. Epic, epic moments. Um, so, and also, also interesting, I mean, mistake or not, you know, talking about the Ludinus simulacrum, you know, we've we've seen Otahan create copies of herself as well. I mean, this this could be a mechanic that we see more of. I mean, we could find ourselves in an encounter with multiple Ludinuses. And so it could even be that like the counterspell reaction not instantly working is is an element of this homebrewed simulacrum you know it doesn't have the full you know potency of its magic i mean it could be anything honestly yeah it could be any number of things um i will not that you were saying this but just uh i will say that the uh the odahan like shadows are like a different thing than this simulacrum like that is a a wizard spell 
Um, right. But yeah, what I don't want to, you know, spend too much time on the negative Nancy's, but like kind of while we're here, one other thing that I will throw into this mix is that people were complaining not only about the lava, not only about the counterspell thing, but also just in general, the encounter, they were like, Lunas didn't do anything the whole time. And like, no, like the Ray Lawrence didn't do anything. Like nobody did anything. <clears throat> and to that, I say, mm-hmm. well, first and foremost, Ludinus showed up saying like, I came to talk like, you know, and not that like they were all going to get honky Dorian happily ever after, but like that was literally said. So the intentions were clearly not from the jump to just wipe them off the face of the planet. Like he wanted to treat with them for one reason or another. Um, so that could, that would be the first reason he didn't just, you know, drop a meteor on them from round one. Second, he grabbed <clears throat> um, uh, Fern. Fern and <clears throat> like that was we don't know what his intentions are, but then he was going to leave with her. So there seems to be some motivation there. Um, but then the the Ray Lawrence and stuff not doing anything. It's because they got freaking wrecked immediately. Like it's not because yeah. Matt just like had them hold their action and like, you know, sit in the right. corner. Um, I don't know. Just of course people are going to find things to complain about and I shouldn't waste my breath on them, but it's yeah, just I mean, ridiculous to me. I, I understand that point. I mean, like I, I, I thought the combat was pretty flat. Like I, I didn't feel like the stakes were really there, but like you, you have to think about, the the a core value of critical role is the players at the table having fun like it's that first and then it's a show second even though we desperately want it to be that reversed <laughs> and you know like it's so interesting i can't remember who said this maybe it was brennan i don't know who made this comment um uh, or maybe it was like you or i don't know who said it but there was something about like it's okay to have an encounter where your players just like absolutely demolish and wreck the bad guys like not every encounter needs to be like a deadly encounter frankly uh because it's fun to feel powerful and you know at the end of the day i i as as combat was ending i was feeling like i was like yeah okay that was that was okay combat i guess and then laura bailey immediately i think it was laura as combat was ending she goes guys that was so much fun like what other for me, that's like book closed, done deal. Like that, that right there is enough for me. The players had a freaking awesome time. Did you hear them like chatting? And like, I think Orem uh, or Liam was like, which I didn't fully get this reference, but he was like, this person's 10 times older than Trent. Hmm. Like understand the stakes here. Yeah. Like you could feel the energy and like at the end of the day, that's literally all that matters. And so you know, my random musings about like how deadly or intriguing it was is really insignificant. I'm just like, they had an awesome time and that means it was a great encounter. Yeah. And I mean, me personally, I, I thought the stakes were there because one, we don't know, <clears throat> like there was this whole tension of like, are they going to be able to get out of this? Um, they're not all together. What's happening with Fern? Uh, and then it felt like Fern was going to get taken away. <clears throat> and that had me on the edge of my seat. And then my man was casting a ninth level spell. So like just because they ended up not really taking any damage does not mean they like weren't potentially going to. Um, I know people are talking about what they thought that ninth level spell was. Uh, and I know a lot of people think it might be weird, which is the yeah. name of the spell, I think that's uh, which if what... he casts that and like that goes off, we're in trouble. Yeah, uh, especially considering all the damage, you know, Fern and Ashton had already taken. 
Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I think it was weird, right? Yeah. Which I guess I'll read it for those of you that aren't familiar that are wondering what we're talking about. So it's a ninth level spell. Um, it hits an area of effect and it draws on the deepest fears of a group of creatures. You create illusory creatures in their minds visible only to them. Uh, they must make a wisdom saving throw on a failed. They become frightened uh, and they this illusion calls on their deepest fears, manifesting their worst nightmares as an implacable threat. Um, at the end of each of their turns, they have to make a save or else take 4d10 psychic. So not just 4d10 one time for the rest of their turns until they make the save 4d10. Um, <clears throat> and they're frightened, which means they can't like move closer to him or Fern in that case. Um, yeah, I, I don't think that was going to be good for them. Um, also, I would have really loved to see Matt wax poetic on what each of their deepest fears were like if this was to happen mm -hmm. um plus you know who knows if they would have full agency over their turns under this mm -hmm. type of effect not that matt would like strip them of anything but like if you're literally oh. witnessing your worst fear you probably aren't going to make mm -hmm. you know the the best most appropriate decision in combat anyway um <clears throat> i uh i thought the stakes were there i thought it was a really interesting combat and um not to sort of move away from this. I'm very curious what lewdness wanted because he didn't yeah. see. No, so I, if you have more to say, I don't want to. <laughs> okay. Because <clears throat> he came and said he wanted to talk, which again, I'm not saying they were going to kumbaya and leave all friends, but I do believe him um, that it wasn't just showing up to kill them from, you know, from the jump. So I just wonder what he was doing because it also seemed like he wasn't very interested in the, the shard. shard yeah it, i mean maybe you know like you would think that like unless for some reason he thought fern had it but like why would he think that you know so um and why fern yeah why fern so maybe I, because I fern just, was just the closest <clears throat> she was on the edge of the battle map so maybe so was he just taking her hostage you know i don't know but it is <clears throat> I just I don't know what to make of his um, of his motives, plus the fact that he seemingly I don't know if this is fair to say or not, but he seemingly didn't care about the shard. Right. Nor did he know about it. Seeming, oh, he might have like known about it, but not enough to care because it seems like he only found out this stuff through scrying on them recently. Like, you know, when clearly that was him scrying when when they were talking to Yvonne Trevere. Um, so shows up doesn't care about the shard wants to talk to them. Maybe it's because again, since listening to a he knows that like the tree wants him dead. The tree told them to kill him. Basically, maybe he's coming to be like, yo, hear me out. You know, I don't know. Tree's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it didn't say tree. It shouldn't say he should be killed. He said he should be stopped, which true. True. Probably means, you know, true. but, but still. So I think I, the scariest thing is that he's, aware of them like that's been a question mark for me is like does he even know that bell's hells like are they that mangy group that tried to stop him at the excavation site yeah. or is he aware of them and seems like the answer is yeah that he's not only aware but is scrying actively on them um to what ends i don't know it's very interesting that like you said like he didn't seem intent on taking the shard but was just kind of like okay i got some info yeah it's like, what did you, what info did you get? 
What do you want, Ashton old was, man? Ashton was naked, you know? True. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> true. When they animate it, I'm just so curious. <laughs> like, <laughs> party, party in the bottom half, you know, combat scene. <laughs> <laughs> Probably one so. of those things where, like, his hammer's always, like, blocking it or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> but, yeah, I, I'm just... And this is something we talked about, I think, last episode when we were talking about the tree saying he should be stopped. But then the tree also talking about how like Bell's Hells will be primed to make this decision on the gods, which kind of how do you untether that from lewdness? Because like presumably if you stop lewdness, then that question is solved. Um, <clears throat> so I'm wondering if like. This is, again, something we've talked about, but um especially knowing now like how the harness works and that like bells hells are going to like absorb the shards could lewdness's real plan be to absorb pradathos you know ascend even if it's not to like literally ascend to godhood if he's just going to absorb that power like that's what needs to be stopped but then you you know so if you do stop him becoming pradathos you still need to make the decision on you know should Pradathos be freed and should, you know, blah, right. blah, blah. Um, so, yeah, I you, don't know. I don't know. You do one. I, I like that line of thinking because for me, I keep coming back to the fact that why doesn't he have this broken vest anymore? Is it because it was irreparable for him or does he have, you know, version 2.0? Yeah. You know, for, for Pradathos. Um, and I just, I would like, I, I'm expecting to see more of like the themes of the age of Arcanum of like hubris and cloud and ego. And, you know, I really do feel like, um, it's very diehard three where like the bad guy has like a very, you know, noble reason for what they're doing. But at the end of the day, it's just a bank heist, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so for him, you know. You know, I'm trying to free the humanity, but really it's about power and, you know, sticking it to the gods and, you know, what right. have you. So. Yeah. So I don't, um, I don't know where I'm landing, but I'm very yeah. curious. So the party is heading back to Whitestone, which is exciting. Yeah. Um, presumably for a fixed vest. This will be the last episode of the month coming up. Um, and it is the costume episode. I don't know if you saw. But they uh okay they released a photo that you can see their costumes um, okay and I guess I guess I won't say anything in case somebody doesn't want that to be spoiled but it it looks good yeah yeah okay um which <clears throat> it's funny because last year for Halloween when they were in costume they were in Whitestone and now they're gonna be there again that is funny um what else anything else you want to talk about I did want to talk about um who is going to be getting this shard because I'm team Fern. I think I'm team Fern as well, but I don't, I don't really know where they landed. It seemed like, and probably intentionally because Matt doesn't want to like make the decision for them. But like whenever, you know, Ashton was trying to get like a vision, it seemed to like be pretty ambiguous, but also like, you know, it's you, if you want it to be type of thing, but mm -hmm. I don't know. And we know that Ashton already has Kamort's shard, but do you think there's mm -hmm. still some sort of process that needs to happen? Like with the vest, even though like the shards already in him or those, is, this, is that one done already? I don't think, well, interestingly enough, 
Matt talked about the power laying dormant, and I didn't know if that meant the fire shard or the shard inside of him. Yeah. I'm trying to look at the detail, how it was described. Um, okay, I think it looks like that was the other, the shard that they just got. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I guess presumably the shard inside of him is as he levels up and gets like the new powers, maybe that's a True. good like more reason for it. Yeah. But um, I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah just... I think that's Team Fern though. It just kind of makes sense to me. I do. I think it makes sense as well. Um, I'm just so curious and that, you know, this is something we'll either find out or we won't. I mean, I guess we'll find out either way, regardless of who takes it, but I'm just so curious, like what is going to happen to that person? You know, it, let's say it is Fern and obviously things are way different. They're not, it's not an apples to apples comparison, but like the shard with Ashton literally transformed him from, whatever race he was, which is still kind of unclear um, to a Genasi. So like if Fern gets this, is she going to become like part fire Genasi um, or just like what? I mean, it's undoubtedly it's going to be a boon in terms of mechanics in some way or another. Um, I think we talked about this previously, or maybe it was in our discord chat. We talked about it, but we've always assumed it was the crown that created dark fern. Mm. What if it's the shard? Ooh. What if the shard is step one? That's true. Yeah. So I, <laughs> I'm, I'm hold just curious, water, man. And if it is, <clears throat> if it is Ashton that takes it, then that, and I still think it would be a boon, you know, all, yada, 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 all that aside. I think that, narratively it kind of just would make sense that that would be that maybe the only thing that's absorbed across bell's house like with the harness but if it's fern that does it now it kind of feels like what else could chetney go absorb you know type of thing like it mm. feels more like a this could be a thing that we go power up everybody with which there isn't really well, any pre like there's nothing else even on the radar really at least that i can think yeah. of that they would go zap um so i guess what i'm getting at is do you think i guess regardless of who takes it will there be anything else that they try to use this harness for or is it just this i mean this is maybe a big reach but if fern absorbs it she would now be a fae of incredible power would lewdness have the motive <laughs> try to absorb her yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't know, maybe. man. You know, it's like Cell from DBZ. Who knows? <laughs> uh, yeah. I've been waiting. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, so. we, we've had, I don't, I won't get into this whole conversation again because we've had it many times, but the whole like the clock's kind of ticking. How much time do they really have? If they do have more time than less, then a kind of harness power up arc could be the next thing that we get um yeah. but it may just be fern ashton takes this we're in whitestone everybody gets caught up to speed it's like here are the next end game moves we're making let's go to the bloody bridge so i'm not and i imagine we'll get some info hopefully on some sort of 
time frame once we get all caught up with the news at Whitestone, but I don't know. Yeah, I was trying to see in their description when they were talking with um, the dancer and whoever. Um, Imaharjo. Yeah, if there was a dialogue around if it would need to be attuned to, because they were talking about like the nature of it, mm. um, but it would be interesting if it would need to be attuned to, and I don't know if it does or not. The harness itself, you mean? Right, yeah. right, because I think that would dictate what it what they do next or what that looks like at least. Well, even if it had to be yeah. attuned to, it's not like you would have to wear it permanently, or maybe you would. I don't know. I mean, the attunement could literally be whatever Matt wants it to be, you yeah. know, so... um. I don't know. Maybe it puts her in a, puts her in a coma for three days, you know, and it's, I don't know. I, I can't find anything on it. So maybe it wasn't even specified. Okay. So a big episode Thursday then. Yeah. Back to Whitestone, which I'm, I'm excited because, you know, last time we were there, it, it was at least as far as the world was concerned, it was kind of just normal day. But now so much has happened that I feel like mm-hmm. it's at least possible that maybe we could see some faces in Whitestone this time, some cameos that maybe like okay. if the if the troops are gathering. Um, so it would be cool to see some faces that we haven't seen yet. I bet we're going to see Vax. <laughs> Probably not him. I just like don't put it together. <laughs> <laughs> Although it would be yeah. cool. <clears throat> like, you know, we're, we're about to get the Mighty Nine Solstice one shot. Yeah. Um, I don't, I really don't see this happening at least anytime soon, but it would be cool if there was like a Vox Machina one shot to go save Vax out of the, out of the Malleus key. That would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hmm. But yeah, I mean, in any case, you would think, you would think the troops have been alerted. Maybe they're not gathering in Whitestone like that much, you know, who knows, you know, maybe that doesn't make sense logistically, but it's at least possible. So could, yeah. Could we see some friends? Yeah. Yeah, Rocco. Um, okay. Well, let me let me do my last quick glance, but I think I think we hit the stuff I wanted to talk about. Yeah. All right. I think I'm good to go. Alrighty. Well, um, don't forget, y'all. We got uh, our watch party this Thursday. Um, obviously any thoughts or theories you have, you can just drop them in the comments of this YouTube video as well. And we'll be watching Thursday's app. So join the discord. Feel free to chat with us. And, um, I think that's all we got. All right, y'all till next time.